0: We meet today in Jeremiah chapter 7 to chapter 10. The theme of this section is warning delivered in the gate of the Lord's house. We have seen in chapters 2 to chapter 6 the prophecies which Jeremiah delivered during the first five years of his ministry. At around 20 years of age, he delivered those severe predictions, condemning his people and pronouncing judgment upon them. Now the prophecies in chapter 7 to 10 were given after the law of the Lord had been discovered in the temple during the time of cleansing, ordered by the young king Josiah. Josiah was greatly concerned about his people, which revealed that he had a personal relationship with God as a young man. He and Jeremiah, being approximately the same age and both zealous for God, were probably good friends. Helkiah the priest, who was evidently the father of Jeremiah, is the one who found the book of the law. The temple was cleaned out and repaired and back in use, which was of course a very wonderful thing to happen. Now Jeremiah stands in the gate of the Lord's house and gives a prophecy to his people. This is the way chapter 7 opens. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter at these gates to worship the Lord. Jeremiah 7 verse 1 and verse 2. You see, now that the temple has been repaired, and the book of the law has been found, The people are now returning to the temple in droves. Coming back to the temple is the popular thing to do, and they are talking about returning to God. Now, young Jeremiah hears the conversations of the people, and he gives the following message. Basically, his message is a plea to amend their ways. Listen to him. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Jeremiah 7 verse 3 It is evident here that although they are going to the temple and are returning to worship him in the temple, there is no real change in their lives. They are still living as they did when they were worshipping idols. It is only an outward revival at this time. The time would come when it was more real, But at this point in time, it is only a surface movement. Now see the attitude of the people, which was the thing that concerned Jeremiah as the prophet. Do not trust in these lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Jeremiah 7 verse 4. Actually, false prophets Deceived the people with promises that God would never permit the temple to be destroyed, yet these words were lying words. The priests. The national leaders and even ordinary citizens had concluded that since God had promised David and his descendants a great kingdom forever according to 2nd Samuel chapter 7 verse 12 and 13 their conclusion was that the temple would stand against any enemy and would not be destroyed The threefold petition of the words, the temple of the Lord may have held some superstitious or magical significance for the people of Jeremiah's day when they used them. And God is saying through Jeremiah, that is not so. I will bring destruction. Listen to the Lord speaking. Will you still... Murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name, and say we are delivered to do all these abominations. Jeremiah 7 verse 9 to verse 10. Now, God is asking these rhetorical questions. Basically, he is saying that will not be tolerated. Although the people were talking about how wonderful the temple was, they were still worshipping Baal. Their philosophy was that since the temple was repaired and they were at least tipping their head to God on the Sabbath day, he would protect them. Now, it is true that when people genuinely turn to God, God will protect them. But they were resting on a fact that did not apply to them in this case. They had taken up quite an offering for the rebuilding of the temple, and the people who had given generously felt that this was all that was necessary for God's blessing. They were wrong. Now Jeremiah says something further. In fact, our Lord quoted him in his day. Has this house which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. Jeremiah 7 verse 11. You see, this is the same charge that the Lord Jesus used when he cleansed the temple centuries later. In the days of Jeremiah, he called it a den of robbers because the people were spending the week robbing their brethren and then would religiously or piously come to the temple. There was no change in their heart. There was no change in their business habits. There was no change in their relationships with one another. And God said, I will not tolerate that. Well, people still think that there is something valuable in great religious splurges and conventions. They have their place. They have their time. But the problem is that so many people mistake enthusiasm for a mighty moving of the Spirit of God. Nothing is true revival unless it transforms lives. The Wesleyan movement in England changed lives. It just about put the liquor industry out of business. That was the true story in England. It changed the conditions in the factories and resulted in the enactment of child labor laws. It was indeed a spiritual movement that reached into the lives of the people. That's what I want to see, my friend. A spiritual movement today that will reach into our ghettos, into our cities. We need a true revival which is the only thing that will really change the situation in our towns, the situation in our nations. Now, here is Jeremiah 7, verse 16 to verse 18. In this particular section, Jeremiah is now talking about judgment for idolatry. Therefore, do not pray for these people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me for I will not hear you. Do you not see what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven, and they pour out drink offerings to other gods that they may provoke me to anger. My friend, here is Jeremiah's admonition. He is saying, do not pray for these people. This is the result of serious rebellion on their part. When you rebel against God, God even charges his men. Do not pray for you. You see, they are seen worshipping false gods and making sacrifices to them. Cakes or wafers may have been in the shape of a woman a crescent moon or a star, and these were used in the worship process. The term Queen of Heaven in verse 18 reflects an ancient cult tradition extending throughout the Orient, which took different forms and various names, but was the same basic nature. The phrase has been interpreted actually in three ways, to talk of the planet Venus, which was called Ishtar, in Babylonian worship. Also the moon, which was often the object of worship in the ancient world. And lastly, the Ashtoreth, a pagan deity. So whatever they were doing, they were actually worshipping other gods, not the true God. And so Jeremiah gives this admonition, do not pray for these people. But this is what I command them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Jeremiah 7 verse 23. Well, God here clearly states for them again that what he wants is their obedience, not their sacrifices. Coming to the temple is wonderful, but it is no substitute for obedience. Yet they did not obey me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not answer you. Jeremiah 7 verse 26 to verse 27. Here Jeremiah did not have the people come forward and declare themselves for God. No, his message went unheeded, yet it was his responsibility to deliver the message, whether these people are hearing or they are not hearing. That message seems to be even similar to the one given to Ezekiel, whether these people hear or they do not hear. You say my word. When you have done so, they will know that the prophet of God was among them. So God told Jeremiah to do the job to give out his word, even if there was no response to it. Now, that is important for us to be able to actually do the same. While people want to count heads and see a response to our message, the important thing, my friend, is the report we must give to God. And the report we give to God has to do with our faithfulness in giving out the word. And backing it up with our lives Cut off your hair and cast it away And take up a lamentation on the desolate heights For the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath Jeremiah 7 verse 29 Actually God calls them the generation of his wrath Judgment will come to Jerusalem And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnon, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my heart. Jeremiah 7 verse 31. Well, Tophet here or Tophet was the high place of the valley of Hinnon, where the children were sacrificed upon the heated brass arms, of Molech. Now the basis of God's anger is twofold. What is it? First, they have set abominations in the temple and polluted it. And secondly, they have committed child sacrifices in the valley of Hinon. He is condemning them. And unfortunately, no one repented of his wickedness, even though God continued to say, "Turn to me." Chapter 8 continues Jeremiah's message as he stands in the gate of the Lord's house. How can you say we are wise, and the law of the Lord is with us? Look, the false pen of the scribe certainly works falsehood. Jeremiah 8 verse 9. You see, their crowning sin is that they are rejecting the word of the Lord. It is not what happens on the outside, but what happens on the inside that is the crucial issue here. And Jeremiah enters deeply into the feelings of his people, sharing with them this wail well, or the cry that comes from him. Listen to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20 to verse 22. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people I am hurt, I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician here? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Well, harvest usually lasted from April until June. This verse was probably a popular proverb repeated in daily life when people confronted hopelessness and hopeless situations where deliverance was seeming impossible. Instead of pleading for mercy, the unrepentant and indifferent people continued with desperate and hopeless frustration, bitterly wailing their pessimistic song. Gilead was famous for its balm, which had medicinal properties for treating wounds. So the balm came from the terebinth tree or the turpentine tree and mastic or pistachia tree, a very small evergreen tree in Western Asia. Now, neither healing nor healer is found for his people. That's a desperate condition. Why? Because God has rejected a people who are refusing to turn, who are refusing to repent. So Jeremiah shares God's heartbreak as well. Chapter 9 begins with an expression of Jeremiah's personal heartbreak as he sees his people spurn the tender solicitude of God. The prophet calls for his head to be an inexhaustible source of water, Feeding his eyes with an uneasing supply of tears, so that he might weep day and night over his people. Though his message is one of judgment and impending doom, the prophet's motivation is clearly compassion here. Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slaying of the daughter of my people. Jeremiah 9 verse 1 Well, this is the effect it had on Jeremiah. How did he give this message? Was he a hard-boiled kind of a person who liked to criticize others and rule them out? No, no. He stood there and gave his message with tears streaming down his face. The message that he gave broke his own heart. Centuries later, people of Israel saw Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem when he had a harsh message to deliver to that city. And they were reminded of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And some of them even thought Jesus was Jeremiah who had returned to them. Well, the foolishness of idolatry continues to be emphasized in chapter 9. Jeremiah we see that he looks at the people who are substituting something for God People have always substituted God for other things And anyone who is not worshipping the true and living God has some substitute for him It may be that the person himself becomes his God And there are many people today who actually worship themselves Others worship money, and others are even willing to be dishonest to become rich. Others worship fame, and others will sell their honor in order to obtain some unworthy goal. There are many substitutes for God, and Jeremiah talks about this in chapter 10. Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. Do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. Jeremiah 10 verse 1 and 2. You see, my friend, people today are still doing what they did in the time of Jeremiah, trying to regulate their lives by the zodiac. They want to know what sign they were born under and all that nonsense. There is this whole business of talking of horoscope, your life in the stars. You see, it is given out through our news media as though it were a genuine thing. Why? Why? God warns. He is giving a warning here. Do not learn the ways of the Gentiles. Don't practice horoscope. And my friend, the astrology that is being promoted today, is something that which has been picked up from the pagan world, and it has been there since the times of Jeremiah. For the customs of the people were futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers, so that it will not topple. Jeremiah 10, verse 3 to verse 4. These verses are basically describing the uselessness of idols. The customs of the people are futile. They are empty. And obviously, Jeremiah is talking about idolatry. He is ridiculing with bitter irony the idolatry of his day. He reminds them that they are... Actually go out to the woods They cut down a tree They shape it into an image Deck it with silver and gold Fasten it with nails And they then call it their God It's like worshipping a scarecrow really The futility of worshipping idols Is shown here in graphic detail While decorated with silver and gold An idol is still the product of man It cannot move or speak. It can do neither good nor evil. That is the futility of idolatry. Inasmuch as there is none like you, O Lord, you are great and your name is great in might. Jeremiah 10 verse 6. You see, the Lord cannot be compared to anything. And how ridiculous it is to turn from the true and living God to worship the things that are around you and get your leading from horoscope, from zodiac. That is ridiculous. Thus you shall say to them, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. Jeremiah 10 verse 11. You see, those gods that you make with your own hands are not the ones that made the heavens and the earth. And God's promise here is they shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. The gods of the Gentiles did not create the universe. Our God is the living God who created the universe. The stars up there are in their places because God put them there. He placed them where he wanted them, and God continues to run this universe according to his own order. It is his universe. You better obey. O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Jeremiah 10 verse 23 here Jeremiah admits that punishment is appropriate for the man who attempts to go his own way, and again that is in agreement with Proverbs chapter one verse one. However, he does ask the Lord to administer the punishment according to what is just, and not to inflict chastisement in anger, according to verse twenty-four of this chapter. So, my friend, we need to turn to God for forgiveness and enablement to work and to walk for him. We are dependent upon the omniscient God for direction in every area of life. Who do you depend upon, my friend? You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to two seven. Seven two six four one four four seven five please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code two seven followed by seven two six four one four four seven five from within South Africa it's zero seven two six four one four four seven five.